Hi, I'm Levi Coons, and welcome to the Hunting Game Podcast. If you're anything like me, you live for the outdoors all year long. Join us as we discuss hunting, fishing, shooting, and really anything outdoors. It's definitely going to be a good time. Sit back and get ready, because it's game time. What's up, what's up, what is up? Welcome back, episode 12 of the Hunting Game Podcast. Uh, for all our return listeners, thank you so much for coming back. We're glad to have you back. We got a pretty good, uh, pretty good reaction on the last episode. I mean, for being off for I don't know ten months, almost a year, we had a pretty decent amount of views come back. So we are thankful for that. But we're back for good. We're back at it, and we're ready for another good year. Perfect timing. We're almost uh, the one year mark when the show first aired. So that's really cool. Well, I hate to break it to you. Uh, it's just me this week. No, I'm just kidding. Jake, what's up, brother? Oh, nothing much, buddy. What's going on with you? Oh, just glad to be back. Heck yeah. We're in here in the air conditioning this week. We couldn't handle that heat again. It is like smoking out there today. We're, uh, I don't know, heat index over 100 today? Yeah, I think the God's chicken's done in the oven. He needs to pull it out. <laughs> Some, <laughs> he need to turn the heat down because I'm smoked out here in the powder coating shop all day. It was it was like 105 in the shop today. Steady. Like actual temperature. 68 degrees in the store today. Oh, yeah. Oh, must be nice. Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, Connor is not with us today. He is on his canoe trip, which we talked about last week he was going on, so we're jealous of that. He's out in Missouri. In this heat. I guess. I don't know. I haven't talked to him about the weather was out there. I'm assuming it's pretty pretty similar to what it is here. But, Guarantee it. Oh, my gosh. It's a smoker out today. I'm I'm ready. Uh, I know I say it a lot, but I'm ready for that cool, crisp autumn air. Yeah, I'm ready for that winter frost. I love fall, man. That's got to be my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I love winter. Don't get me wrong. But as long as I don't have to push a bunch of snow. I like playing in the snow. I love getting out there and playing in it. And I top notch deer hunting, top notch whitetail deer hunting in the snow. I've only got to do it a few times. It's hard to beat. Oh yeah. Man, that nothing like blood on a snow trail. Oof. Yeah. Or you know though, the uh, those crispy fall mornings, you know, a little, little bit of frost on in the morning. That's a that's a hard one to beat. I like it when it's cold enough and the blood on the leaves freeze. That's pretty cold, but honestly, my my ideal is that like cool, crisp fall morning. Leaves are crunchy, but then midday it kind of cool, you know, warms up a little bit. Where you know your heavy winter jacket wasn't necessary, but that you know it was a little tough in the morning. Struggled a little bit out there sitting still, but that afternoon sun comes out, just beautiful day that's my favorite i love it and that's the that just happens to be right in that heat of the rut man the bucks get going wild Oof, i love that time hunters start getting wild it gets weird (laughs) out in the woods man (laughs) hey that's gun season you're talking about opening day gun season around here is like insane fortunately we hunt private property but those public land boys get wild Heck yeah, I'm one of them, boy. <laughs> if it's, it's like, brown, it's down. It's like World War Three out there. That first, that November. What is it this year? November fifteenth again, or uh, November thirteenth, I believe. All right, have to look at it. I haven't checked into it yet. I'm just getting ready for ready for bow season. But I mean, we got 
we got a couple good seasons coming up. We got dove season coming up here in a month. Uh, little less than a month. Squirrel season coming up here in like ten days ish. Um so it's about time to pick up the old firearm, get back to it. Yes, sir. Which that brings us was that brings us to our topic today. Um you know, today I, I really wanted to focus on just, you know, going through what we do to get ready for season in general. And uh, we'll talk a lot about, you know, getting ready for deer season, but we'll also talk a little bit about, you know, dove season, squirrel season. Those are coming up. And I just kind of want to cover the basics. And I'm sure we'll get off on a couple, two or three, ten tangents today. So that'll be always, that's always a good time. I like when we get out of it a little bit and just, you know, go for it a little. So, <clears throat> Um, well, I kind of, I, so I came up with, you know, uh, my basic hunting checklist, um, in general that I like to start getting ready about this time of year. We're getting close. I mean, we're far from crunch time. And honestly, I think if you do all these things earlier, the sooner, the better, the better results you're going to have, the smoother of a season you're going to have. I hate doing everything last minute. I hate it. And I'm really bad about it. Because life gets busy and stuff gets busy, but I freaking hate trying to gather all my stuff like two days before season and make sure I'm everything's dialed in. Everything's I, I don't want to do that anymore. But I've always had a checklist. I just kind of slowly nip away at it. But I really want to do better at getting at it a little sooner. So we're gonna kind of go through that today. You got a checklist, Jake, or you just watch me? Uh, no, not really. I don't really watch you on nothing. Um, <laughs> you lie. You lie. <laughs> no, I, uh, that's why he doesn't have any big bucks on the wall. Cause he's been, uh-huh, he's been watching mm-hmm. somebody else. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me tell you, <clears throat> I, I lay out a lot of my camos, make sure they don't rip, make sure my buttons are sewed. Cause I hate going through camo pants. I'd just rather fix them and go through them for another year. Um, you gotta make sure that winter fat that you built up from them zebra cakes and everything, your camos still fit. If not, there's plenty of swords with camos just coming in. You got to check stuff fits. You got to make sure you got permethrin spray. Oh, man. That permethrin, I know we've talked about it before. That stuff's a game changer. I actually, me and dad make our own permethrin spray. Just go buy, I don't know. You just you go know, get the concentrate from tractor supply yeah, or your farm yeah. store. I think it's uh, one ounce per meth and 18 ounces of water, I think is what it is. Yeah. And, man, that stuff works so good. I haven't had a tick on me since we started doing that. Now, I don't spray it right on my skin, but I spray it on my clothes, treat my clothes and stuff. And they just need to make a poison ivy spray. No joke. Oh, my. My, my butt crack gets it every no, year. I, I just, I. Uh, I know your turkey hunters have been through that. I've had such bad reactions with poison ivy the last few years. Um, it's been bad. Now, now Jake over here, last time we turkey hunted together, he sat down in poison ivy. Like he knows what it looks like, but gotten, we kind of got in a situation where some turkeys were calling off. We got set up. He sat down in it. And of course his butt crack hung out. And next thing you know, I mean, you ended up having to go to the doctor for it. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. No, I wasn't looking at his butt crack. It went all the way up his back. It was, it was a bad deal. Yeah. It looked like a, I think Helen Keller could have read all the bumps on the back. Yeah, it was that was that was bad. I tell you, I uh, yeah, I wish we could do something about that poison ivy because I can't hardly stand that. I stuff. mean, if you made an idea where it was like off spray but off poison ivy, you'd be a millionaire. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just I'm, think of that. Absolutely, for sure. 
but yeah, I, the poison ivy stuff, man, I can't hardly stand it. But, um, you know, so the, the like you said, the first thing I do is always try on my camos. I've been, you know, sometimes I put on a little weight. No, you hey, never. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, oh. hey, you know, I've weighed like the same for like eight years, but. Then you got married. The shape changes. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. But I always like ch- try on my hunting clothes. Also, because sometimes I rip some hunting clothes the year before and forget about it, and then it's a go time, and I'm like, oh. More of a button rip, though, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> Been there, done that. Anyways, um, guilty as charged. I, You know, hey, like we said last week, I'm kind of a meat and taters guy. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the second thing, if you haven't already... Go buy your hunt license. It's not getting any cheaper. In fact, our hunt licenses went up this year. Pretty significant. Um, but you know what? What? I've got my feelings on it. I mean, what's your take on it? I honestly think we need one. We haven't had a price increase in ten, probably ten or twelve. Think, well, yeah. maybe fifteen years or something. It's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I think the CEOs, the park rangers, and all that are underpaid. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like if we pay them more, hopefully they'll do more, more public land management, more property upkeep and all that. And, you know, that's what I think a big portion of it's going to be going to property stuff because, I mean, let's be honest, our our, our public land is kind of, I mean, it's gone downhill. It's It's heavily used, sometimes overused and stuff and it's not on them you know the budget's not there there's yeah. things that need you know docks re- need, need redone on these public ponds and and stuff like that speaking of that but, i went i went fishing down at the old uh gravel quarry over there in taylorsville old driftwood and uh they actually put a dock out there off the main ramp really yeah that'd be brand new is it's nice there's of course it's already littered and trashed by people catfishing yeah but i mean like i said i twenty dollars you know license goes up 20 bucks it kind of seems like a shock at first but big whoop i mean look at gas i don't want to talk about that but the 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 license increase you know as long as they put it to good use and i think they'll be pretty transparent on what they use it for but it's not a big deal i mean we're still very fortunate our combo deer license is what 95 now 91 if you buy it from a right licensed dealer but if not online with credit card charge, it's like ninety seven fifty. Yeah, and I'm thankful we don't have to, you know, do the lottery system and draw tag, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you want to hunt, you take your hunter safety course, which is very important, <clears throat> and you you go buy your license and you hunt. And I can't complain. That's pretty. I mean, that's yeah, pretty you can't affordable. Complain about that, uh, it could be way worse. But, I know there are some states where their resident tags are insane, and and I don't. For those of you that aren't from around here, our combo license, um, the resident combo license covers. Uh, it's three, a license it's bundle. License bundle. Uh, carry. You know, takes you through all the seasons: archery, firearm, muzzleloader, and it basically gives you um, an antlered tag, two antlerless. And I think, did they get rid of the, it has to be antlered and two antlerless. There was a change to it. Yeah, that's what they did. It went, it used it went to, be, to an, one antler deer to uh, two antlerless deer instead of, if you didn't get a buck and say you, you went in the late season and you can shoot a doe with that tag, well, they got rid of that. But what's crazy is how much that bundle is out of state. 
It is $551. But we also had the second biggest typical deer killed last year out in Indiana. That was right over here in uh, in Greensburg. Dustin Huff, I knew him personally. What That thing was a tank. Oh, I know. And he just happened to go out on the old family farm, and it literally walked out and boom done it and that thing like w- record world that was a second place world record deer yeah and typical yeah i think it was like 221 uh, inch score i'd have to look it up but it was insane and i mean the thing is just it it's it's like ungodly i mean it literally looks out of this world massive i've literally he's a he's a musician <clears throat> he played at our local bar quite a few times. I mean, I've hung out with him, talked to him. He's a heck of a dude, but hell, he's worldwide now on on no yeah, just the story of that buck. I mean, I <laughs> mean he's doing podcasts about it well, like we're doing. Yeah, we don't have nothing that big, but my God, I I get the gas pedal, I can find something that big. I've got his cell phone number. Maybe we ought to get him on here. Be a the, fir- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'd love to hear this that the true story from him on that deer because it's it's a giant. But I'm all for it. You want to come into Indiana? I mean. We're ranked really high now mm-hmm. on the on the deer hunting states. I mean, we're out here competing with Iowa and Kansas and all these western states that have always been kings. We're competing with them. I mean, the quality of our whitetail hunting has been, it seems a little off, but it's been significant. I mean, the deer population, yes, is down, but I, I noticed a lot more younger bucks the last three years i feel like our buck doe ratio has like improved i mean really i I mean granted we we don't have as many does as we do bucks but you have a chance at a buck if you watch if you guys watch the hunting public i love watching them guys you get a lot of information well him and dan infall and then the other guys and Catman, they all did a the hunting public challenge here in indiana last year and i believe only one guy killed a deer and that's a week-long hunting, the best of the best we know, that, I mean, it's a challenge. And if you kill a buck in Indiana, you did something good, no matter what size, no matter. I mean, you owed it to you. You did all that work, and you owe it to you. I mean, it's not about the rack size. It's not about It's about what makes that. you happy. It's about what makes you happy, and you sleep good at night, you sleep great at night. Me? I don't care if it's a hundred inch deer or a spike. I mean, I look at it this way. I get meat on the table. I get food. I might not get as much meat off that little spike, but I'll get meat. Absolutely. I mean, the way beef is and everything, you got to think, man, I know I got to take this to a butcher shop unless you butcher on your own. Usually a butcher fee is about 110 to 130. Which is probably going to go up, but still, I mean, compared to... Compared to beef price, which... Significant, I mean... One pound of beef is $8. Yeah, and and, you know, like I've always said, I'm a meat hunter. Um, The the big rack is definitely an accomplishment. It makes me just as happy as the next guy, but I'm not out there big rack hunting. I just... No, we're out there to enjoy time, and the best thing, you come hunting camp. Like, I killed a deer we called the Hey Dad Buck, and that was... That was cool. (laughs) That's a story for another time. I mean, it might not have been the biggest deer, and I also shot my littlest deer there and didn't mean to, but I did and thought she was a lot farther. Turned out she was a lot closer. How was that? In the jungle, on the jungle property. Uh, Yeah, that was in the thicket. But, yeah, you know... I think what it all all boils down to is what makes you happy. And Indiana is one of those states that I truly think it's a really tough state to hunt. Mm-hmm. But especially because a lot of our public land is big hills, you know, but 
there's incredible potential. Like we grow big bucks. Mm-hmm. If we you, do. If you can figure them out. You just got to figure it out. I mean, I've seen big bucks on public every year I'm out there. and It just never works out for me. I honestly would argue that some of the biggest bucks in the state are on public land, but the public land is so huge that it's hard to pinpoint them. Yeah. I mean, you got to find them pinch points, thick bedding. What's crazy is a lot of people think you got to go three, two miles back in the woods with some of the best hunting. It can be a hundred yards from where you park your truck. Dude. We've tried that mile walk thing. That thing's that's a doozy. It worked though. It did work. We saw. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw more deer than that day than we saw before noon than we'd seen all year. But boy, it's tough. I mean, it's, I mean that's <laughs> just a good funnel point. I mean, it's just got them three rolling hills. It's got three logging roads on it. Right, right and down I mean, to the river. I mean, and I, creek, but you're set right there. I mean, we had other guys set up across the hill, but nobody was on the other side of that hill because right. how steep it was. Well, and how far it is the nearest public or Pub- private, private ground. Yeah. I mean, it's a long ways over there, but Hey, we made it happen. We did. <laughs> it was a great time, but it's still and, a struggle, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to earn your deer. You can't, I mean, I get, there's guys that go out there that just, they're lucky. Well, there's better properties than others. There, there is better properties, but there's comes a point where you've you've got to put the time in. Absolutely. If you don't put the time in, you're not going to have a su- successful season. But me saying that, there's guys out there again that don't put any time in, and don't hang lucky. tree stands, and get lucky. You I know, mean, when when we first started hanging out and first started hunting together, we talked a lot about, you know. I killed a lot of deer. Me and dad killed a lot of deer. And you, you talked about, you know, early on, you're like, oh, you know, I've killed a few deer, but I've kind of struggled. Well, we found out one of your main problems is you literally, you hunted for what, two hours in the morning, went home, came back, you know? Yeah. And once you started spending more time, I mean, the way I look at it, Kevin Van Dam talks about it with fishing. His bait spends more time in the water than anybody else's bait out there. That's why he catches more fish. You can't, you know, the, you know, the saying you can't get, you can't kill them from the couch. Uh, you know, I truly think one of the biggest keys to success in whitetail hunting is being there, being out there. The more time you spend in the woods, the better odds you have. Now, the skill comes into it, too. I spent a lot less time in the woods last year than I do on average, and I killed more deer than I have in the past three years. So, you know, right place, right time, making the smart calls, making the right decisions, trying, you know, watching my cameras and, and patterning some deer and and not, not even just not even bucks does anything you know coming up with a pattern on these deer and figuring out trying to get in their head you know um think like them figure out what it's going to take to kill them and being in there at the right time in the right place and it's it, it's worked and you know speaking of that i was listening to a show a couple of days ago podcast they were talking about the one year rule that the Drury's talk about and they're talking about how like time after time after time, it's called the one year rule, where if you have a picture of a buck on a certain day in a certain condition, if chances are, if he didn't get killed the next year on that same day, around that same time, if the conditions are similar, there's the best chance you'll have it seeing that deer again. I didn't know it. Most of those guys are hunting deer that they patterned the year before. Deer are kind of like creatures of habit. They take the same trails if you think about it. I mean, you got you got to think. I mean, deer like thickets, but they also like clean trails. 
something I, they don't I, get brought and picked, but they want that <clears throat> the concealment. Well, see, I've always said deer, animals in general, but especially deer, are they li- are like electricity. They like to follow the path of least resistance. And I don't mean the open, wide open road. The least resistance is in the least, you know, people around. The least in, um, you know, the danger. The least in, you know, they also don't want to walk straight through a thicket. But if they've got a path in there that's clear. They'll take it. They'll take it, absolutely. Because it's the path of least resistance. And that can mean a lot of things. But you got to think about that. Same thing, you know, that's a pinch point. Why do deer travel to pinch points? Because it's the easiest path to cross. I've watched deer go straight up a hill. Like, I mean, straight up. They can do it, but is that going to be their main travel path? No, because it sucks. Mm-hmm. They do it because it's it, it, in the situation. You know, they're stressed. They're scared. Something. They'll, they'll do it. They're incredible animals. But, man, see, this is the stuff that you get into that this is how you perform and, and get more deer. And I think as Indiana hunters, we've had a lot more time <clears throat> to master those skills those getting that getting into the deep stuff like that. And I think it's important. Yeah. I mean, I like hunting edges of thickets and I like hunting them deep valleys. Like there's a high line spot. I like hunting, but what's crazy is if you look at it from the road, you can't see in there. If you look at it from the top of the high line, you can't see in there. Look at the other side of the high line. You can't see in there. So to, to my mind, them deer are taking that Creek path where nobody can see him and nobody can get shot, no predators, but they have visual of both sides of that hill. That's why I like hunting. I feel like that's a pinch point that they can funnel into to you if you set up on on the right day, on the right time. Absolutely. And, and you know, that also, you know, location is key, but I, that's uh, along those lines, you know, one thing I always like to do when I pick a standout is I try to think of like, you know, if I'm setting a stand up on a hill, you know, I come walk over the hill and, and look ahead like a deer would, you know, they're not going to be looking up in the trees. They're going to be looking up in the hill. If you're out of their line of sight, well, you know, dad's stand he had at the one property he called the killing stand because it was like wide open. There was no cover around him. He was in the big, a big ash tree and deer would literally like be eye to eye with him coming out of the field, but it was straight downhill out of the field. And they'd walk right in and never see him. You'd think they'd look right at him. They walk right in, 20-yard shot every time. I, I can't even count the amount of deer he killed out of that tree because it was perfect. It was thought out of where the deer were going to travel, how they were going to look around, things like it, it's, it was. It was, if anybody saw that stand, they'd say, no way that would work. But it worked for old man. Oh, my gosh. He killed so many deer out of that stand. I got to hunt at one time before the tree died, and I, that was cool. And like I said, it was one of those stands. There's a lock on. And it wasn't that high, but it for, you looked over to the left and it felt like you were 100 feet off the ground. Um, and I tried another time after that tree died, I set up, I tried it in a climber. Dad set up a stand like two trees over. Didn't work. You got busted every time. Like that was just the perfect location for where the deer were looking, where they came out of the field and it just worked. But we got way off on that one, but that was a good time. <laughs> so from hunting licenses, yes, hunting licenses prices went up, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. Um, I did mention hunter education. Um, in the state of Indiana, you're required now. After, if you're born after a certain date, you have to take a hunter education. I don't care if you don't have to take it. I think everybody should. That's yeah, a great I think course. Everybody. I mean, they used to give it in school. 
Yeah. And man, I learned so much. I was young when I took my hunter education, but it goes way beyond just hunting. I mean, gun safety, um, you know, in the house, around the house, in the woods, everything. It just, it's so deep. I think everybody should take it. Yeah. Even if you don't plan on hunting, but you, you like, you know, you carry a, a, a firearm, you carry a pistol. I think you should take it. Why not? It's not very expensive. No. And I think you can do them all online now. Actually, I think I think they are online. I don't think you can go sit down. I think there. they still have sit-down classes, but due to the vid. Right. Yeah. We know how that goes. Yeah. So that's important. Um, the other thing I like to do this time of year, any pr- uh, private land that you hunt, that you have permission to hunt, I think you should call the landowner or go talk to the landowner and just clear it up. Most like we've been in both properties that we hunt regularly. We hunt, we've been, I mean, my dad's been on them for 20 something years and we still every year this time of year, give them a call or midsummer, give them a call. Hey, you know, we come like, come down and talk to you and, you know, make sure we're still good to hunt. And I think that's a good thing to do. I mean, I think it's important. Some people have the, I mean, now if you have a lease, it's a different story, but I think if you're hunting land on permission basis, I think you should go talk to them and maybe offer to help them out around the place, around the property or maintain the property. I mean, I know we do property maintenance kind of in exchange for hunting there. And I think it's important, you know, have a good relationship with the landowner. That's what keeps you on there. Um, another thing, I know it's early, but get your firearm, get your deer hunting gun out now, especially with how difficult it's been to get ammo get them out sight them in again i always say that like at least check them don't be i I can't stand the night before opening day and you just hear gunshots going off everywhere people sighting in their guns like at deer camp i'm like dude i want my gun sighted in to at least a week before deer camp especially because if i can't get my amp like i can't get my shells anymore i want to make sure i can my gun sighted in you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm so I get my gun out, clean it, clean it, clean it, and make sure to shoot it, get it sighted in. And that goes with, you know, checking your gear. It's it's not going to be any cheaper before season as it is right now. They they really haven't. Most our Walmart doesn't even have the hunting stuff out yet. So prices are going to be cheaper now than when they cuz as soon as they you know start really rolling out into deer season you know they're going to spike those prices. Well, prices has already went up. I mean, I put stuff out all the time for hunting. I well, I'm talking about going to you know people that are going to Walmart and stuff. I mean, yeah, they're going to skyjack the prices, but you know when they're you know when the prices are really going to be high? Opening two day. two weeks before season, one week before season, two days before season. Yeah. You don't want to be buying your stuff right before season. I mean, you need to look for your ammo right now. If you don't Absolutely. Think, you might be too late, even I, now. I mean, <clears throat> let me know if you guys find 209 primers anywhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll gladly buy them off you. I got quite a few. But I'm, I mean, uh, yeah, but I didn't say that. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, check your supplies. Check your gear. If you need gear, go get it. And also, uh, get out and check your your trails. You know, your paths you're walking on, your four-wheeler trails, whatever they may be, get out and check them. I went and cleaned up, did some weed eating around my camera this past weekend. We did get down there. We did some mowing. Went and ran all my trails, made sure that, you know, if there is undergrowth, which we sprayed all the weeds out of our trails this year, which has been incredible. They're like all grass. But uh, uh, Jason, dad's buddy, he goes down and mows them all, so that's been super nice. Um but went down and ran them all with the four-wheeler, make sure they're packed down, make sure they're all marked, you know, got my on X out, make sure everything's good. And 
checked a few stands, checked my camera. It was a good time. I had a blast. We were out of there by like 10 a.m. It wasn't even hot yet. It was awesome. Well, that's good because you both sweat horribly. Oh, I sweat like a stuck pig. I tell you. Um, you know, and another thing with that, you know, so many people talk about leaving their property alone all year to keep out the pressure. You know, I think the best year we had hunting was the year they logged the property all summer. Yeah. I think there's something to say about deer getting used to human presence. Yeah, look, I don't, at, look at deer in urban zones. Well, yeah, and I'm Drive not out. Bloomington. I, right. I'm not out wearing, putting my scent killer on in the summer. I, They're kind of getting used to me. I checked, so I went out clean, weed eat it around my camera. So there's gas, smell of gas. Weed eat it in all the grass around my camera, the weeds and stuff. Check my camera. Um, you know, did some maintenance around my camera, around my stand there, had the four-wheeler out there, left the four-wheeler running. It even got warm, and so you could smell a little bit of antifreeze. Like, my scent was everywhere. Two hours after I left, I got a picture of a doe. Four hours after I left, I got a picture of a different doe. Six hours after I left, I had a picture of a buck. Why? why if If my presence there was really that big of a deal... It would have been two days before I saw anything, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I last year when me and Hunter hung my stand up, we hung it up like a month before season. We cut it all up. I mean, we were running chainsaws, trying to get to this thicket. I like hunting thickets, by the way. Edges, thickets, anywhere. Well, I got this big deer trail that goes through, and there's only one tree. Unfortunately, the deer trail is like eight yards from my tree stand. But when we cut that down, Believe this or not, we cut it down. I hung the stand, and while I'm hanging the stand, there's a buck bedded down 30 yards from us. Didn't give a poop about nothing until we got down and we're like, I wonder if this deer's hurt. We walk over there, turns out to be the deer I shot, but he was bedded down right there. Didn't give a hoot. Yeah, and I think... I mean, I've always said the best chance you're ever going to have of killing a deer is the day you hang the stand. I've literally hung a stand before and killed a deer that evening. Um, so there's something to be said about that. Um, okay. And that was that was simply because we hunted the day before. Actually, it was that same day. We hunted that morning. And I watched deer after deer after deer after deer come out in the field, get a bite to eat, and go back in the woods in this certain spot. And I was like, I need to stand there. I took my stand down, a ladder stand, mind you. Carried it across the field, hung it up, got in the stand, first bow kill that night. They did exactly what they did all day. So don't be afraid to make changes during season. If you if if you set up wrong, it happens. But um I just I don't know. <clears throat> the year we decided not to take four wheelers into the woods anymore, we saw less deer, I swear. We walked in the woods quiet, didn't take any four wheelers in. I swear we saw less deer that year. There's something to be said about using your property as normal. You're, you know, it probably will disturb some deer. It probably will. Some deer probably won't like it, but it's not stopping me from killing deer. Man, you got to think too. If this is open weekend again, all right, listen, open weekend again, them deer are getting jumped out of their beds. They're getting ran. They're in the rut. So deer are being stupid anyway. Well, I mean, I'm talking all year, even early bow season. Like yeah, I see, I, mean, I get it. I mean, the I see deer are less skittish around farm property. Well, yeah. they're used to seeing people, but they're not getting hurt. 
Yeah. They're not getting their 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 movement all the time. This like you said in the urban zones, people kill deer so much easier. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say they kill deer easier, but it seems like the deer behavior is significantly different where there's heavy human pressure off season. That is a fact. I I think so. I don't there I know a lot of people that simply will not touch their hunting property besides, you know, food plots and stuff like that. Like they'll go and check cameras, but they're doing all their scent control and everything, making sure they're getting in there not making any disturbance, you know, going to the right time of year, no, no disturbance whatsoever. I, it, I don't know. I, I personally haven't seen any negative impact on just out of season going in there and being present. Squirrel hunting. I see a lot of deer squirrel hunting. Oh, me too. And that's cracking a 22. Speaking of that, what do you use for, what do you use for squirrels? I don't use a 12 gauge. I don't like missing. I'm a 22 guy. I'm a 12 gauge. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that later. We've got a lot of stories on that, but yeah, I don't. You know what the pressure thing? I just that was my mouth, by the way. <laughs> That's a, I just I don't know. Help me. <laughs> oh, that was total. I just like breathed in air with my mouth shut a little bit, and it made a good old good old noise there. He's a so funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying over here. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, we've got a few more things on the list. But let's go ahead and take a break. Let's get this air conditioner fired back up for a little bit, get it cooled down here, and we will be back. I think that's the longest we've talked. We're back. Feels nicer in here now. We needed a good cool down. Easy now. Don't take my mic out. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, so what we're on next is is you know check your bow. I know we talked about it briefly last week, but check your arrows. Make sure none of them are bent. If you're shooting aluminums or if you're shooting full metal jackets, make sure there's no bends in them. Make sure that you check your fletching. Nobody likes to get out there that first day and their fe- their veins or their feathers be all screwed up. That's no good. A lot of times they can sit in the case and kind of push on the case and you get one bent over and that's not good. Another thing is wax your string. If you don't have a new string this year, you need to wax it. Get those, make sure that thing's all done up good and looking good and feeling good. You don't have all the frillies everywhere on your string. I probably need to get a new string, but I might just wax it another year. We'll see what it looks like. Your brother works at an archery shop. Better get checked out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know. You only live once, right? Right. I also don't want to. Getting a string wrapped around your neck. I also don't want to blow up my newish Matthews, so that would be good. Um, Is there anything with your bow other than what we talked about last week that you like to do every year with it? What new site? Oh, no, no, <laughs> I wasn't talking about what you do. I mean, I know you do that every year. This dude is the only guy that'll throw a new site on every year on a the bow that he shot all last year. I mean, kills deer with it, and then puts a new site on it, and then you know gets it sighted in the night before season. I, I live with danger, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right, but uh, no, I mean, I sh- I shoot. I hate to say it. I mean, everybody. A lot of guys watch Ranch Ferry. Okay, they watch Ranch Ferry. I get it. Heavy Arrow, kill FOC, kill. I feel like so. I ran a Easton Axis. Axis. If y'all don't know, I have a thirty-one and a half inch draw length 
which is huge. Well, he's pretty tall. I'm only six five, but I got these monkey arms. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I thought it'd be wise of me, if I want to say that, to run a heavier arrow. But today I was messing. I, I'm. I'm. I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to get me a PSE carbon bow. I mean, I'm a Matthews guy, but them carbon bows—they're lightweight. They don't get cold, and I want to shoot sixty pounds to be a little bit lighter. And I was only shooting two fifty, and my arrow is six hundred and well, not six hundred, but five hundred and fifty grains, which is a good. Hunt whitetail area arrow, but I feel like I'm honestly overkilling. Yeah, where do you go? Where do you draw the line between sacrificing speed versus, you know, I want to have that happy middle. <clears throat> I want to. I'm. I'm still going to shoot a stiffer spine arrow. I'm still going to tune it the way I want it. But I don't think I need 200 grains up front to kill a deer. I mean, people kill deer with just a 9.3 grain inch arrow with a full metal let's just say gold tip yeah someone's shooting a gold tip hunter 340 how many people do you know it's killed a deer with just that setup with an expandable a lot i mean okay i mean i get it people are in this big single bevel i know the fact of it they crack they crack the bone i mean a single bevel is cool so when it goes in it pivots and pops so it pops that hole in there. Just, I mean, you're gonna have to float with your setup. I mean, you're if you want to hit hard, go for it. If you want speed, go for speed. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not going elk hunting. I mean, if I was going elk hunting, I'd keep the same setup because I'm pretty much shooting a walking cow through the woods, and I feel like in my head, I want to punch through that son of a gun right but i don't like taking them quartering away shots and quartering too i like them broadsides they can be a little bit but i'm not going to try to put one in the shoulder i i've learned that a long time even with a gun i don't like shooting them in the shoulder yeah I well I'm, that's where it comes back to being a meat hunter yeah i mean you don't want to ruin the meat i mean you, if you put it right behind that shoulder right in the vital v your deer is going to die right absolutely I mean, Shoulder shot's cool. That deer's quartering to, to you. There's a lot that can happen from the time you release that arrow to the time it gets to that deer. That deer could be quartering away, and you let that arrow fly. That deer can hesitate because you're shooting slower. That deer has more time to move. Granted, it'll quiet down your bow, but with that speed, you just need... I mean, it's perful, per, personal preference, but you got to have that happy medium. And that's what I'm trying to achieve right now is that happy medium. I want to shoot. I'm going to shoot fixed blades this year. Still up in the air, but I'm, I think I'm dead on slick tricks. I got you. A, just yeah. a four blade fix. I mean, I killed. I mean, yeah, granted, I've killed deer with a rage. That's the first deer Levi's ever seen with a rage kill. It was insane. I mean. I mean, my last year shooting fixed blade broadheads i shot uh muzzy mx4 four blade big cut four blade if i was going to go back to a to a fixed blade broadhead i love i love a four blade but 
<clears throat> I guess I'm probably going to wait till I tear up my rages or something. But no, you'll I, still go to rage, buddy. I don't know, man. I some I love shooting a fixed blade broadhead, but I also love that blood trail on uh, the rage. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, you'll get great. <clears throat> you'll get blood trails. Like me and Levi, we don't take quartering twos. We don't take quartering away shots. We want that deer. I, try, I mean, I'll take one if I need to, but I try to set myself up. I mean, I try to set my stands up where 90% of the time where the deer are going to, especially my, the, the thick property, mm-hmm. I don't really have, I mean, I can set myself up. I pretty much know where the deer are going to come from. And I, most of the time I've got it set up where I'm going to make a straight broadside shot. I mean, that's what you want. You want the ideal setups, but I know you get those what ifs. What if my arrow hits that shoulder? I mean, I don't try to push my shots past 40, but I mean, I'm really comfortable. I can poke a deer in the shoulder at 30 yards, and I know the arrow's going in. Right. But what I was saying, though, is like, where do you draw the line between speed and weight? You know, I personally have always been, I always like going for speed. I want my arrow to be fast. You've seen the videos of the deer, you know, dropping arrow going right over their back. But at the same time... Dad shot uh, a heavy aluminum arrow until two years ago. They were they weren't super fast, and he, I mean, there he always made a full pass through. I mean, Dad's arrows were four hundred fifty four grains when I weighed him, but he was shooting a seventy five grain field point. He wanted speed, right? And he was also shooting short arrows. I mean, now, he had I mean a, that was back when he shot an overdraw, that six inch overdraw, buddy. <laughs> now, well, the Matthews didn't have the Matthews had like a two and a half, three inch overdraw, but still, I mean, that's a thing of the past. Now that old high country, those six inch overdraw. I mean, dude, I'm <laughs> sitting mean, at my house, your, buddy. Your rest was literally. Basically at your string almost. I mean, he was shooting like 26-inch arrows. Yeah, a crossbow bolts almost. Yeah, it was insane. And that bow, that bow was fast. Well, it had 80-pound limbs on it. Yeah. But that was, I mean, <clears throat> that's where it's like, okay, is that really a thing in the past? Is is really going... I, I know overdraws were a thing in the past. They were dangerous. But, like, are we not going for speed anymore? Or is our technology just increased so much that we get speed and weight? I feel, I mean, I'm, I shot one of the highest end bows you can get today. I mean, I was at the shop and they let me tinker with one. Granted, it was 60 pounds. My arrow is 550 grains. Okay. And that's with a hundred grain point and everything. I shot 250 feet per second. Okay. That is, that's slow in my book. Real especially, slow. Especially with modern bows. I mean, it's slow. <clears throat> Chase, on the other hand, is an employee at my shop. He was shooting a brand new PSE Omen. It just came out, and he has a 27-inch draw length, and he's shooting a 450-grain arrow, and he's pushing 290 at 68 <clears throat> pounds. Right. See, and I'm still pulling... I think my bow is set at 73, 74 pounds, somewhere around there. So, I mean, I pick up speed from from my weight, but I also have a pretty short draw length. I mean, I'm like 29-inch draw length, 28 and a half. I mean, that's not short by no means. That's usually about standard draws, about I mean, 29, 29 and a half, 28. Right, but I'm, you know, I'm also still the traditional corner of the lip anchor point. There's a lot of those guys, especially, you know, these guys shooting the thumb releases. And no harm, no foul. You do your thing. But it's like the anchor points at your ear now. 
I'm like, yeah, Whoa. you're getting about another inch of draw for your short draw guys, which that helps a lot. But there's a lot of guys like Devin. He's my manager. He's a wizard. I mean, a wizard with a bow. He's wicked awesome. I've never seen a guy do this. He can literally go from a thumb button to a finger release and his peep sight doesn't move. Nothing. Same anchoring point. That's interesting. It's it's wild, and in me, I go from a finger release to to a, th- a thumb button. I'm I got move. My sight usually has to go up about a quarter inch. Right. I mean, you'll shoot different. I mean, granted, you'll hold tighter <clears throat> groups with a believe it or not with a thumb button because you're more steady. You can get a more constant, but if you're used to shooting a finger release, just just shoot it i mean yeah i mean I've it's never cool to- just if you're sh- getting into it right now shoot what you're comfortable with we're getting closer to season so you need to shoot what you're comfortable with i've never really liked the thumb release thing and I there's some people I've, that don't i've tried it and it's not really my cup of tea i like having that release on my wrist you know give me something to play with the original day. fidget spinner from 1980 <laughs> yeah the, uh i've got so many hunting gloves with holes in the the index finger cuz i sit there or in the the next finger cuz i'll sit there and play with my release all day but usually in the thumb hole actually yeah i'm just kind of thinking yeah i but i like having that release on my wrist i don't know it's it's how i learned to shoot i, I mean i truly i learned to shoot with fingers but that's a thing in the past for sure cuz oh, yeah. tight tight bows but um as soon as I got my first compound, I went to a, uh, you know, finger release, palm release, and um, I've tried the thumb release. I've tried some fancy ones in, over there at Honey Creek. I've tried some cheap ones, and it's just not really my cup of tea. But, you know, to each their own, I just, I'm comfortable with palm release. Yeah, I mean, shoot what you're comfortable with. Don't get out of your neck of the woods. I mean, granted, I mean, personally, I do like a heavy arrow. But it's not benefiting me. That's why I'm going to take the brass out, and I'm going to go back to the hit insert, the aluminum insert, and I'm just I'm taking probably seventy. I'm going to take well, it's a seventy-five grain brass I have inside there, so I'm taking seventy-five grains out. That's a lot. I mean, when I mean you get that down that, to it. That's a lot. And granted, I want to shoot a sixty-pound bow, and that will actually improve my speed quite a bit i hopefully will i like being around 275 280 right um i don't need that 300 feet per second bow i mean it's cool awesome but the thing is you're never going to get to the ibo speed unless you shoot the bare minimum light arrow and you want to flirt with danger and i don't like flirting with danger that much i flirt with it enough and Working on them crossbows, flirting with danger every time you put one of them in a press. I tell you what. Yeah, no joke. Um, I, you know, but, you know, I don't know. Things change and to each their own on what you're using and what you're going with and stuff. But, um, we're, uh, we're getting close to time. So let's, let's cover one more thing and, uh, and we'll probably, read our Bible verse and get out of here. And we'll, I know we didn't cover some of the stuff we said we we're going to talk about. We kind of got off on a rant, but Hey, we'll cover it next week. And <clears throat> we're definitely, uh, we got a few people on the line. Hopefully next week, Connor will be back and I'd like to get a full house in here. For oh yeah. That'd be fun. So anyways, um, I know we talk about it a few times. 
Um, but that's checking your tree stands. When I say check your tree stands, I like going a little bit deeper. You know, check your straps. We talk about that. That's simple. Every year I climb up in my stand. I loosen my straps. Obviously, harness up before you do it. Loosen your straps, especially on, you know, I'm talking ladder stands, and retighten them. That tree grows every year. A lot of people don't think about their tree growing over overstretching their straps and that's a recipe for a break <clears throat> so that's just what i do i loosen my straps tighten them back up make sure they're in good shape most of the time i'll replace one strap a year if it's a two strap stand but uh i like to do that quick look over the welds of the stand you know i know you, we've all had the stand where some water somehow got in one of the pipes one of the rails popped it when it froze not good check that check your welds check for rust if you're living anywhere in the Midwest, you're in that good old rust belt. So make sure you check for rust. Um, that stuff can get away from you pretty quick. Also, if you have lifelines, I hopefully nobody is leaving a lifeline up year round, but put a new one up. It's not worth your safety. And with that, uh, your harnesses. <clears throat> uh, I am definitely guilty of not wanting to buy a new harness. I like my harness. It's comfortable. But harnesses are only rated, say, for like, what, five years? I think it's five I think years. It's every three. Still, even if it's five, I mean, even if it's three, guys, just buy, you know, check it. All, I know all harnesses have a tag that says their expiration. So you got to check your, got to check your harness. You don't want to be getting out of hand. And I'm, like I said, I'm guilty of it. It's, it seems to be a lot extra money to spend, but there you can't put a price on life. <clears throat> you know, what happens if you're, uh, what, what happens if you're, you fall out of your standing, like Graham said earlier. It sounds like Velcro because your your harness is no good. That's that's it's not worth it. Spend the money, buy a new harness. Mm-hmm. I know this next week I'm going to start looking. I'm going to start shopping for a new one. It's time, and they make them so much better than when I got mine. I know they do. Oh yeah, hunter safety system. I I run the uh, tree spider. Yeah, that's that's a nice harness. Yeah, I have I've had three of them in the last six years. They're nice. Yeah, I mean, I bought some cheaper ones, and I regret every inch of it because I had that incident where I slipped out my hang-on, and God, did I have some bruises on my thigh. Well, see, that's the thing a lot of people don't think about is not just buying a harness, but buying a good one that's not only comfortable. I like a harness that I can wear, one that I can holster my pistol if I'm carrying my pistol. One where it's comfortable under clothes or over clothes, you know, and certain time of year, I like to be able to take my jacket off midday. I don't want to be up in the stand taking my harness off to get my coat off. I want it to be comfortable underneath my coat. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And also, if you fall, what, how does it, how does it hang you? Is it going to give you blunt force trauma to your groin or is it going to sit you up? I know the harness that I have. I've tried it. I hooked it on a chain fall and lifted myself off the ground. It held me in the sitting position. It's called the seat of the pants. They were made by Summit. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it's a good harness. It is. Yeah. I, I'd like to, you know, like I said, get a new one, see it, see if there's one a little more comfortable. It's not a bad, it's quiet. You know, all the, there's no snapping and zipping and clicking and clanking. It just, you know, kind of slips together, rubberized metal, and it's a nice harness. But, you know, it's, it's, it's out, time of, to upgrade, it's buddy. out of date. And I'm guilty of that. But, well, we're going to go do some shopping for that. So um, with that, I know I didn't plug it already, but uh, hunting game podcast at gmail.com. If you guys want to be on the show, 
hit up the email. Send us an email. I've got a list of questions I like to send back to people, so we make sure we're getting good guests on here. Uh, Instagram, Hunting Game Podcast. Um, we are on Patreon. Uh, you, there'll be a link down below the show for our Patreon. Um, and there's a few things on there. You know, if you become a patron of our, ours, um, you know, early releases, blooper bloopers um you might you know be able to get on the phone with us and also there is one category that uh guarantees you're going to be on an episode so that's really cool i you don't have to do that to get on the show but it's definitely it it will guarantee that you can be on the show so check out our patreon that's a way of supporting us getting uh helping us grow helping us you know improve get better more people on here and it's just a way to support us and help us do this more i really enjoy it i really do want to get to two episodes a week eventually Eventually, yeah, but it's gonna. There's some growing pains to get there. You know what I mean? Heck yeah, we we finally up we we got the upgrade on the equipment. We're on top of the line equipment, and I mean, I noticed it. Listen to my own podcast. I went back to one of the episodes last year and compared it to the, this year. My gosh, what a difference! I mean, That's good. It sounds so good. So we're trying to improve. We're trying to do better and trying to get some more people on here and just ha we're having a great time doing it. I hope you're having a good time listening. So keep coming back. You know, share it with your friends. A one share or one comment even on Instagram will will take us so far and we're in it with you guys. So, you know, we're trying to get good information out here and we want to hear from you guys, the good and the bad. You know, if you guys have some life questions, you know, get with us. We Maybe we've been there. Just in general, if, uh, you know, shoot us an email, tell us what you think. We love to hear from people. We love to, you know, I'll read all the emails, like I've said before. We'll read them on the show if we can. And I just like hearing from our audience. So thanks again, guys. Make sure to share. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. And, you know, get the word out. I want everybody to hear hear this show. I enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy it half as much as I do. So with that, let's get to our Bible verse. So our Bible verse today, uh, Jake actually brought it up and he's like, you know, hey, he brought it up in the break. Like, we're talking about bows a lot today. This is a perfect verse. So we're going to go swing it back to Genesis today. This is from the English Standard Version Bible, and that's Genesis 27.3. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Guys, God put these beautiful animals on this earth for us to take and us to provide for our families and us to enjoy being out there. I mean, if you just open your eyes and look around at all the blessings we have, all the beautiful things around us, there has to be a creator. And I know that, you know, with respect, we go out and take these animals and that's what God intended us for. He intended for humans to, to reign over the earth. You know, we are at the top of the food chain for a reason. You know, he put us on this earth to take and not waste, but take and use these beautiful animals to provide and to survive, honestly. So, guys, thank you again for coming. Get out there. Live it. Love it. Enjoy it. Be safe. Jake, thanks for coming again. I hope we have welcome, you. Buddy. hope you're here every week. I love it. I have a good time. We got some good stuff out there today. Oh, yeah. So, with that, thanks for coming, guys. We're so glad you came. We love each and every one of you. God bless each and every one of you. Like I said, be safe out there. Go get you a new harness this week. Tell your wife I gave you permission. Just have a good time, guys. Don't forget, this is the game, the hunting game, the greatest podcast you'll ever listen to. I hope so, at least. Thanks, guys. Once again, love you all. God bless you all. And we will see you in a week. Hear from you in a week. See you guys. We're out. <laughs>